is it scary? Did it did it make you choke on something? Because uh, yeah. Charday about shit her pants when I uh, interviewed her the other day. Oh, Charday, really? Yeah, yeah. Wait, you don't think she's <laughs> is she a person of no consequence? No, like she got she got like the little stage fright there. And I think it was just the voice. It was just the Craigbot coming online going now recording and that she was like, <laughs> oh shit, this is real now. But she talked to me for like two hours. I, I had to like cut her off at a certain point. Is there going to be a Chardonnay part one and two? There might be, because she had a lot to say, and originally I wanted to interview her mostly about living in England, and instead we just talked about her writing for two hours plus. So I might have to return that and get to the Angliophile stuff of going, you know, like, what is the tube like, and do you get BBC for free? Does she? Oh, you I think so. I think you do get BBC for free, I think, because it's a, it's a state-run thing. Interesting. But anyways, for the uninitiated, welcome to Persons of No Consequence, the podcast that brings you the stories of the people that aren't famous and they don't matter. For a little context, Eleni, I know you're not a fan of the show. You told me that you hate me and you don't listen. So let me just dial you in a little bit. I started this podcast because way back in the day, I had another show and one of our fans made a Wikipedia page for us, the company and the show, and it was taken down citing person of no consequence. I apparently did not matter to the internet as a whole, according to Wikipedia mods. So I wanted to start a podcast to get the stories out of those people because Wikipedia is not going to allow them. Apparently they're gatekeepers for, for the right reasons. I did not deserve a Wikipedia page, but also, you know, you're not on Fallon or anything like that, right? I On what? You know, yeah. Jimmy Fallon, you know, oh, he's yeah. uh, he, no. he hosts a, a late night television show. He was on Saturday Night Live for several years. I think he dated Drew Barrymore at one point. All right, well, so I guess here's your first, like, fact that makes me a no-consequence person is I barely watch TV, so <laughs> these names don't, like, you'll say them and I'll be like, cool, who? <laughs> um, I, I'm aware enough that this is a well-known person, but the context was important. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I really thought you were joking in the fact that you're like, oh, no, oh, okay, he was on Saturday Night Live. Uh, this is why when I, when I wanted to interview. I told you that you were fascinating. You were like, I am, and this is the first example. <laughs> so, lady, if you can give me a little bit of context, who do you think you are? And not on a big level, like I'm not asking existential crisis questions, just, you know, if you can give me a, b- a brief, you know, paragraph pitch. Um, I guess I'm a, like, middle class white person who ended up moving to Chicago. I never thought I'd leave Michigan. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird turn, but um, I don't know, I'm... I, I'm losing track of what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> It's okay. I know you don't do a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. There's no pressure at all. I was only joking before. So okay. I can lead you through it. I promised you I would steer the conversation. I just wanted to see. Sometimes I like to see what people will answer with that and see if they'll like open up some strange Pandora's box, you know? Like, this is what the secret time. What's that? I'm married with two cats. Oh, oh, really deep. Like you definitely now exiting the white person realm and entering super white person realm. <laughs> where we stopped having kids and started having cats instead. When did that <laughs> when did it become not the lonely person, but the, the person with disposable income? When did they start buying cats? When there wasn't enough disposable income or time for children. <laughs> I used to be the epitome of wealth, you know, like I'm a, I'm a white dude, I have a corporate job, I'm married, I got kids, and now people look at me with disdain, they're just like, 
okay, like you have nothing and you're worthless. And they're right. The secret was they were always right. But before there was <laughs> there was the rat race and I looked like I was winning it. And now people are like, oh man, Terry's fucked. <laughs> like, this is why he podcast that night. You don't even have a single cat. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Listen, if I could get a hypoallergenic cat, I would totally pick one up. The kids would love it. My wife would probably love me for the first time um, if I were to buy her a cat. But I just can't do it. I sneeze and they they shit in a box. Like, who does that? I, is it better than shitting in a pot? Like, what do you do? I, I, I can shit in a bowl of water that masks the scent, and I can flush it down the toilet. I know a cat can be trained to do that. I've seen Meet the Parents, but it takes a long time to do that. They just shit in a box. It does not mask any scent. And then I have to pick it up and put it in a, I don't know, garbage. What do you do with cat poop? My dog poops. I take the bag out. I pick it up. What do you do with I cat poop? Put it in a bag, and then we put it in the garbage, and then we put the garbage in the other garbage, and uh, it leaves our building at some point. <laughs> at some point? <laughs> I just picture like sometimes you just sit in the hallway and I'm like that's where the cats stay, like that's where their poop goes. Well, I, I live in a tower, so there's a there's a little door in the wall, like in the hallway, that I just like put the trash in and it it disappears from sight. So I just don't mind it. Something happens after that. That's the perfect segue. I want to jump into Michigan life because <laughs> we're so rural, and I I don't know if people necessarily know. I know they know we say ope and pop instead of soda, and we like our carbs. But when you said tower, I pictured, like, you know, like, princess in a tower. Tower, like, I did not picture, like, some sort of condo building. <laughs> I was like, oh, tower, right, like Shrek and Fiona. No, no. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> it's, it's very, uh, oh, God, how old is it? It's, like, 60 years old. So, like, I mean, it looks like it came from... 60 years ago, but um, <laughs> I, it's just a big concrete tower uh, on the north side of Chicago. So I guess oh. uh, my, my next question is, is how do you end up in Chicago? You mentioned you never wanted to leave Michigan. You never thought you would necessarily. And you grew up in a small town like I did where it was like it wasn't really an option. Even if you were part of a family that goes to college, which you were. You know, it was like, yeah, you go to college and then you buy a house next to your parents. And we also stay in Michigan where nothing ever happens forever. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the dream. That was <laughs> that was the plan, I was, right? I was where I was going to be. Uh, maybe not next door to my parents, but uh, <laughs> nearby. They have a pool, right? They have a pool. Yeah. So within driving distance, at least. Yeah. Um, but no. So I ended up in a degree program that was like pretty niche uh specifically like working with blind people um but as i was getting uh, well i mean even in the middle of it i kind of knew but um the the inter blind people in michigan so you kind of figured you gotta leave right yeah that's <laughs> um, so there's no gay people in russia there's no blind people in michigan that's just a fact you know that's just how it yeah. goes if you want to avoid being blind you have to move to michigan <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'm out of luck. I moved out. But um, no, so the in internship sites are like pretty few and far between because like your choices are like, uh, like veterans associate or veterans VAs. I forget yeah. what the is for. Um, so like there's a couple of VAs that have programs that are really popular internship sites. And then there's like a handful of like other like centers and 
places that do training, but most of those internships are unpaid. So I went with the VA option and the closest one was in Chicago. Uh, so I did that and I moved out here for a summer. And then at the end, I didn't really have a reason to go home because I didn't have a job yet. So I stayed and just stayed. And so what what's that like working for the Department of Veterans Affairs, which I just Googled to make sure oh. that I, I was that's what I was like, VA, Veterans Affairs. OK, got you. What was that like? Is it like they show like the idea in, that you see in movies nowadays? It, it used to be it was the one thing that cared about veterans. And now the reality has kind of shifted to be exactly that. Like it's the one place where they can actually get help when it's super underfunded. Is it as bad as it seems, I guess, in the media? Well, so the specific area I was working in, which was uh, like a residential facility for people with visual impairments, and we're teaching rehab skills. So like my specific thing is teaching travel skills, crossing streets, getting on buses, um, how you would get to the grocery store in your neighborhood, things like that. All the um, stuff I'm scared to do and I can see perfectly. <laughs> well, I, well I, I'll help. I'll, I can bring you a cane. It won't help me. I, I grew up in the woods. We didn't have things to cross. It was just the river. You crossed the river and you paid a toll. Now, like, I, I don't know how people can do it and they can't see. If you can, uh, if you can elaborate a little bit on that. So, um, actually, you know what? Before we jump too far into it, because it is fascinating. Keep going on the veterans of air. I'm sorry, I had to interrupt for a terrible joke. Um. So. So yeah, so that's like what I specifically do. And then there's like other departments in this department, like people that teach cooking, people that teach cleaning. Um, you weren't joking when you said niche, like, geez. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people in the profession kind of joke that it's like you never know about it until you need it. So like I tell sighted people about it and they're like, whoa, I never even thought that was a thing. Like, but I mean... I guess someone had to teach a blind person how to get around. Like, I just I never thought about it. Are you just quoting me? Because when you told me about it, at first I thought you were joking. Because I honestly, it's so weird. I've known you for going on a decade, like the better part of it. And I did not know what you went to school for. And we lived together several times, like different occasions we lived together. And I did not know what you're going to school for. And, yeah, and when you graduated, I did not know this, what you were doing when you moved out of state. You know, you'd give us a call or you'd stop by our Christmas parties. I'm like, oh, hey, how's Chicago? You know, you were working in restaurants and stuff. I had no clue what you did. So when you told me, you're like, yeah, you know, working with blind people is really rewarding. I was like, are you just saying that? Like, what does that mean? Like, uh but, uh, yeah, so a lot of people don't hear about it until uh, they need it or their family member needs it or they meet someone like me who does it and they're like, wow, what the fuck? Anyway, <laughs> uh, are you going to have to edit out all my swearing? I'm no, sorry. No, 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 I'm not at all. The only time we'll edit out if you mention, like, the name of the people you've run over with a car or people that have run you over with a car. Okay. Um, you know, legal stuff like that. But, no, you can swear all you want. If okay. you do a lot, though, I mean, I might just edit it down, you know. Okay, well, that's reassuring. Um, like, if you I, go on, like, a 50, 50 fuck tirade, I might edit it down to 25, because, you know, my my fan's time is, is it's valuable. <laughs> uh, as long as my criminal history is not being shared, that's fine. Yeah, um, exactly. I promise I'll edit that out. Uh, but so back to the original question. <laughs> so there's different Sorry. departments and different people are teaching things. We had a department for, um, like, you could do, like, knitting or knitting, uh, weaving on a loom. Which like, I even got to practice. I made a rug with a blindfold on, which is pretty cool. 
Um, <laughs> we'll get into this later because you, you, I told you you were fascinating. You already started with you know how to, um, <laughs> how to make. You made it. What was it? What would? What did you make on a loom? Blindfolded. A rug. You made a rug blindfolded on a loom. Yeah. You didn't knit it. You didn't. You didn't sew it. You made it on a loom. Yep. Uh, continue, please. <laughs> it's, you know, there's some people that can teach, um, like, for blind people, like, tearing apart an engine and putting it back together. I didn't learn that. I didn't <laughs> I didn't have the time. But that's it's not like, as useful as making a rug. <laughs> that is that is a thing that they teach people. Because especially, you know, working with these guys that have been in the military, like, a lot of them have that interest in, like, mechanics. And they're like, oh, right. but if I'm blind. So... Like, it's a chance for them to just kind of feel like, oh, no, I, I can do this. I just have to kind of think differently around it. Um, but so, uh, it was overall, like, the atmosphere is very, like, we care about the veterans, and we're here to meet their needs. And, I, well, anyone you talk to that's, like, in my profession, VA or not, is has that kind of, like, support for, like, it's about doing what you want to do, even with your visual impairment. Um but then we would get cases like there was one guy who was in with us. And the only reason he was blind is because he went to the VA for a brain surgery and they nicked the wrong nerve and he lost all of his sight. Oh, my God. Um, so our department was great, but we're very aware that that's not necessarily across the board how it is. Right, right. So, like, while you, you had good facilities, people that cared... The VA as a whole, people care, but it's not always one to one. This is the perfect place for you. I understand. Yeah. Um, that's still that's that's really rough, especially, you know, I, I I appreciate what you do, and I'm sure he did as well, but that's gotta suck. You know, the only people that can help are the you know, the people that might have caused the problem. I can't imagine that. No, I, like, that hurt me a little bit that you kind of punched me in the gut with that one. Yeah. It's you I mean He's like anyone, like anyone I talk to, really. Like you ask him, like when you start out, like yeah. So I uh, would tell me a little bit about how you lost your vision, or like what's your vision history, and like you get stories like that. Like, like there was another guy I worked with for a little bit who was perfectly fine. Like he was a teacher at a university, and then he had a bike accident and was blind, and also uh, has a lot of memory problems now. So like, it was just like one thing, and you're like, his life is just so different now. So I have two follow-up questions on that. The first off is how can you how can you deal with that on a daily basis? Does that take a toll on you? Because I don't do that on a daily basis, and I'm already over here almost crying, oh. and I did not meet these people. Oh, all right. Well, I'll stop telling those stories. <laughs> no, no, it, it is it's super fascinating. It's good to have those stories out there because what you do matters, and not that all the other people I've interviewed on the show their jobs don't matter, but you're making a difference. And that is another re big reason I laugh when you're like, are you sure people would want to listen to this? Yes, I am. You're fascinating. But also, you help people. Um, so, like, how do you deal with that? I guess hearing that kind of thing day in, day out. I know it's a little bit different than what you do now, you know, not being at the VA, but still. I mean, well, and I hear, I mean, you're going to hear those stories no matter who you talk to about right. past and what led them to, like, you know, like you're blind now and you're you have to like share that like there's usually something um sometimes it's glaucoma and i knew about it and it's been happening for 20 years just now i you know finally have to admit it's a problem um but as far as like 
dealing with it. It's just kind of, I mean, fortunately, it's not like I'm meeting new people every day. It's because I'm working with these people for like a week to several months or even over a year as needed. Um, okay. <clears throat> so it's not every day that I'm meeting people that I'm like coming across these stories. And it's just kind of remembering that like, lis- like listening to it sucks, but I'm not the one who's living it. So I just kind of offer my ear and anything they want to complain about, like, I just let them talk to me about because I there's not much else I can do to like help them. I um, got you. Does it make you appreciate your vision more? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's kind of a dumb question because obviously it would make you act differently, but do you take in different considerations knowing that it's a possibility for so many people? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah it there's 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 an amount of that and especially when i meet people who are like my age or younger now sometimes people are younger than me and i'm like this like how narrow is it that like i could have been living this life too and i mean having been through the training the training to teach this is like literally like i put a blindfold on and i do the things so it's not like i have i think a fairly comfortable level or like I have a good level of comfort with like if what would happen if I went blind it's like well I know about all these resources and I've already practiced them and I teach them day to day like I know I could survive and I would do excuse me just fine so like I mean it it's sort of I guess a two-sided perspective of like being aware that I haven't been affected by this but if I was affected I think it would hit me differently because I have all of the background that I have compared to someone who doesn't know I exist right now. Right. That's, that's really good. To, like That's a really good perspective to have. I don't know if I, if I would have taken that away originally, but that's a really good point because you're, you're almost prepared for it. Um, when it comes to the training, like you said, you, you teach people how to travel. That's your, that's your, your main thing. How do you, how do you take that first step? What's it like taking a, you know, blindfolding yourself and then crossing a busy highway? What's that? I mean, obviously cross crosswalks, but still <laughs> I'm a, fr- I, I, I wasn't joking. I, I, I'm a grown man and I have a fear of crossing anything more that's two more than two lanes. I don't care how many lights I, someone could be holding my hand. I can be in a car and I still get nervous. Well, so you I mean, you don't start by crossing streets. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank God! Oh. <laughs> no, that's that's like a mid-level advanced skill. It's like Frogger. The first car like is really really slow, but once you're on level ten, then it's time to cross the highway. I mean, if you're talking Frogger, like the, it's like the tutorial level is just like pressing the up and down arrows, but you're in a hallway. Oh, okay. That's Jesus. Like, you don't even put cars out there in the beginning. <laughs> God. I don't know why I think you're just like, all right, bud, here's your blindfold. Uh, Get going. I, that, that makes sense. You would start in a hallway, of course. Are there people at least walking through the hallway? Uh, I mean, not always. It depends on what, what hallway you get. Um, <laughs> Randomly generated hallway. I got you. When I went through my training, like, we were obviously practicing in the hallways of our university, and so, like, there's students hanging around and stuff like that, but now in the office I work out of, uh, the hallway half is actually pretty lame. I wish it was 
a little more complex, but it's just like one long hallway in this building. And we're one of two offices on this floor. So there's like no people. It's just, you know, here's your key. We're going to talk about how to hold it, how to move it. And then just walk in the straightest line you can down the hallway. And if you don't, that's fine. We're going to work on you like being able to adjust to stay in the center of the hallway as we go. And that's, that's like step one. So if that's step one, what's the final step? Is it being able to comfortably maneuver the city alone? Uh, if that's, if that's their goal, some people don't necessarily want to learn okay. that. Um, there's a number of people I've seen that are, they're just like, okay, yeah, like I've got a cane and I can hold it in front of me and I know that'll stop me from tripping. I don't really go anywhere. So like, yeah, this is good. You know, thanks for your help. Um, and then there's people that are like, yeah, I want to go everywhere. So how <laughs> it's it's really nice that like there is someone like that 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 can do that my grandmother went blind in her 70s and she traveled the country she would take buses to to north carolina where we have family and all the way out to the west coast in california and she did it all but she just had to learn it on her own she didn't have any there were obviously resources but uh she wasn't aware of them you know this was now going on 20 years ago uh, but it's still interesting to see that that people do that. It, it it gives me hope, and hearing that there are facilities and and services that can help make. Because I was always afraid. My mom's going blind right now, so I'm always kind of aware of it being a possibility for me. And I every time I talk to you, I'm like, okay, there's hope. I know I don't have to be afraid of it necessarily. I know that it wouldn't be the end of it. Yeah, it it's just the beginning. <laughs> do you do you uh this is not i'm not trying to make jokes but how often do you find yourself having to reassure and say tropes like that and and idioms like is it a constant uh thing with everybody or is it i guess case by case how often are you there for that that therapy of just being there to listen and to assure them that it's a possibility Often enough that in the database I have to record all my notes in, there is a button that says uh, personal adjustment. Is there? Oh, really? <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that, like providing emotional support. Like, because it's, I mean, it's pretty common. People have like small breakdowns or like, you know, I never thought I'd be like this. And so they want to just like start talking a little bit. And I mean, it's a fairly regular part of what I do. Um, Although, like, I'm not a therapist, so if it starts getting too deep, I might be like, you know, uh, you might have to talk to someone else about this. But as much as I can, I like, I'm at least like, yes, like, I can listen to you. I, I guess my my question on that is, is it hard when that becomes the focus of like a session when you're there to do a specific goal? You know, you're there to help them learn to, to travel, you know, depending on the distance. Sure. But occasionally that's not going to get done that day because it's so hard. Is it? Is it okay? I guess, you know, you do it for profit now. It is your job. You care about these people, but you are beholden to a higher resource, right? Is it a problem when it comes down to this was, we just talked this time. Um, I mean, most people, like I have had a lesson or two that have turned into mostly talking. Um, there's a, there's a gentleman in particular who's uh, he like his vision's been fluctuating. Like sometimes it'll be better, and then it'll get worse. And then he's like, you know, I just like I feel really depressed, and I can't like do anything. And so I think like what you're helping me with is great, but I don't know how much I'm gonna like learn or how much I'm gonna do with it. And so like 
I mean, it's, you know, every once in a while it turns into like an hour long conversation and it's like, okay, let's, I mean, that was our appointment and uh, we didn't really get to any practical skills. Right. But I still, I mean, the higher powers generally don't question me too much. Okay. Um, but I mean, like if it happens, it happens. Cause if a person's not, if a person's like so into that train of thought, like you could monologue at them about, I mean, how to cross the street. We'll just keep coming back to that, I guess. Right. Um, but if they're not present enough to pick it up, then it's, you, you just kind of have to let it slide and then see if they will become present enough to focus on that. Right. And I can imagine it'd be hard to teach somebody something as important as, again, like you said, we keep going back to crossing the street when all they, all they want to do that day is, is not that, you know, talk about something else. Right. I can understand that the difficulties in that. I try to try to squeeze stories out of people. And most time they're just like, I hate this guy. When is this podcast over? And I can't imagine if we threw in an emotional weight to this. Um, so I guess to, to keep it going, what is, what is the most extreme that you teach? So I mentioned that my, my grandmother, she would travel all the way across the U S you know, you know, we're in Michigan. She would travel from a bus station in, in Alpena, Michigan, all the way to, I don't even remember where central California somewhere. Um, do you go into things like that or is it strictly navigating the city? Uh, oh yeah. Now, I mean, I did have a client at one point who was like, yeah, I'm going to Maryland for a month. Let's just like see if the state will approve to pay for you to come with me so you can teach me in Maryland. Was, you know, like, it was all a joke. It was, like, we knew it wasn't realistic. Right. Um, but I would, you know, I can teach basically up to getting on that bus or the plane. Right. Um, sometimes, and I haven't actually done this yet, but I like... Obviously, eventually, you know, you're going to find someone who's like, yes, I want to practice in an airport. Um, and those, those are one of the harder places to get to because, like, usually you can't get in unless you have a ticket and you're going somewhere. And Yeah, they um, don't really let you hang out there these days, uh, from what no, I understand. No, they don't. Um, so I'm, I'm aware that it's a harder thing to do, but I also know that people have done it, like, just to get in and practice like walking around in that kind of crowd with you know, like as varied a layout as it has. Right. Um, but yeah, like that's, that would be within my purview if I can get the permission to get in the airport <laughs> with them. I want, I want like the people to take like awareness. So like the next time you're going to get asked this in a week and you go, you know what? I've been thinking about this ever since that podcast. And I think I could get into the airport and you're going to be on some list forever. Just for saying those words. I want you to know that well, you're like, I, Oh, maybe I could get in to the airport and lead somebody around. I, I had an intern who also worked for a major airline at the uh, nearby. Uh, oh airport. man. Now you have an in. Now I'm just thinking so, of different capers we can get into at the airport. Like if only those, those shops made any money that we could rob, I, we could have a really good oceans 11 type thing going here. I'm not going to use disability as a cover for crime, sir. I would never either. It was a hypothetical, you know, I'm a script writer. It's what I do. Like it was just, Listen, all right, we'll move along here, then. If heists, are, if heists are completely out of the question, I get it. But I'm just saying, you know, you teach people to do things all day, you know, 
there there is a blind crook out there somewhere thinking that his his dream is ruined. And I just want you to know you did that. Well, I'm here to discourage crime. <laughs> Stop being a good person, okay? This is not a podcast for good people. Uh, as I offend every single person who's ever <laughs> come onto my show. Um, so I guess my next question would be is how do you end up in that field? Was that always the plan? Is that what you wanted to go to school for? When I knew you, you were mowing lawns. Uh, <laughs> on military bases, making okay. a lot of money. <laughs> that, that it was, was all to go to school. Those those are good times. I I still miss those times. I I miss seeing you wake up at like four o'clock in the morning wearing the biggest cargo shorts I've ever seen. Like you were ready to go to battle, and you're like, someone's got to mow those lawns, man. Yep. Uh, I <laughs> the most money I made for the least responsibility. Uh, <laughs> And now you make the least amount of money for the most responsibility. I mean, I make enough. Uh, but the responsibility <laughs> is also considerably more. It's I can't handle it. I, I start to get nervous every time you start to talk about the things that you do. I'm like, oh, God, this is why I have no power or authority. Because they know I could not handle it. Um. So what was the question? Oh, how do I get was this always the plan? Uh, did you like? I know you went to school for this. Obviously, you you have amazing degrees. Which again, I didn't understand. I knew you were going to school for a long time, and I knew as you went to different schools that it was all a big deal. I didn't know what for. <laughs> was it always going to teach the blind? It was not, uh, and it was all one school. For the record, <laughs> sorry, um, different different like uh, majors within that school. Yeah. Um. No, so I was doing the very uh, millennial dance of, like, my parents expect me to be in college, so I'm in college, but I don't know what I'm doing because I am 18, 19, 20, and I am here because someone else wants me to be. Right. Uh, you know, so I was going to be a, a interior designer. I was going to do – I was going to be a musician. I was Like, I, I signed up for a lot of majors. Uh, I <laughs> Actuarial science turned out to only be a minor at my school. Otherwise, I might have done that. Um, really? Actuarial science, uh, of all things. I, I sold insurance for a little while. <laughs> what, what made you consider that one? Um, Because I don't hate math, and I, it just kind of sounded fun. And you love death, so it's like, why not? Well, I, it didn't necessarily have to do with <laughs> life insurance. <laughs> 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 I, I'm I'm going I'm in school currently to be an accountant, so I, I do understand that it's like well, math at least makes sense, and uh, you make a lot of money doing it. like so. I I do understand why that would have been a target for a moment, but the, what was the what was the nail in the coffin for that one? I'm just gonna keep on the well, that, that the school I was at only offered it as a minor, not a major. I mean, still though, I mean, you could go for any other science degree, grab that as a minor, and make bank, right? I, well, I just, it was, no. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't what happened. So oh. as you jump from major to major, what makes, if it's not the money, what makes you land on, I is there a better way for me to say teaching the blind? What is your, what is your occupation? Like, what is the official title? Well, okay. The official title is I'm a certified orientation and mobility specialist. Oh, I'm keeping up teaching the blind. And I'm not saying that every time. <laughs> For adults, because you can also <laughs> specialize in teaching children oh my god don't don't talk to me about blind children and for some reason in my head they're orphans no, uh, i'm no, gonna no, cry no, so no. bad 
Most of them aren't, but God, I hope so. But I'm just now I'm just picturing little Dickensian boys with like bowls of porridge, but not being able to see it. David Elaney, you just want me to cry. I don't know why. Stop. Stop conflating disability with all the other bad things. I can't help it. It's just a spiral for me. You also partly it's just guilt because you're such a good person and you do something that matters. In my job, any of them, <laughs> all four that I have, none of it matters. So it's I just like, you uh, it's like a guilt. A bad person and a good person. I I call you a bad person to make myself feel better in the moment, but I want you to know that I do keep you on a, a short pedestal, but a pedestal nonetheless. You might want to shorten it. Um, well, I can't. <laughs> I want you to know because I'm, I'm I dug this hole for myself. The pedestal's barely above. So, <laughs> anyways, man, we're just going down this metaphorical rabbit hole as we continue. So, what made you land on teaching the blind? So that. Uh, so I was going through uh, these several majors, and I was—I I, have—I I guess the short story is I had an aunt who did this. No, this is not the place for the for the short story. I mean, continue about the aunt, but this is the place for the long story if there ever was one. Because so so I was you know running through the majors, and my aunt was like, "Yeah, I do this for a living." I never <laughs> actually knew before I was in college what she did. Um, See, it's not just me. It's it's an occupation that people did not know existed. To be honest, I don't know what most of my family members do. <laughs> I only recently found out another one of my aunts did like some kind of uh, counseling or like related to welfare type of thing, um, and she's already retired. <laughs> you have some you have some do gooders in your family, is what you're trying to say. I'm no, I was trying to say I'm dumb. <laughs> I don't think that that's the conclusion that anyone would draw from that. <laughs> uh, anyways. So we were having this conversation. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to change my major again. And she's like, well, here's what I do for a living. And the university you're going to has one of the really well-known programs for it. And I was like, huh, interesting. <laughs> so I looked it up and like, turns out, oh, it's a master's program. But there was like, a single class that I could take that was also that was related to disability and like also counted as a gen ed because that's important because we're counting pennies here. Right. Um, so I was like, well, what the heck? I'll I'll try it. And it was I mean, it was I think it was just about like disability and like different models of looking at it like as like a medical model where it's something that is wrong with you that can be fixed or as like a social model where it is something that changes how you can interact with your environment uh, and different things like that. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. And they didn't actually talk much about the like special like, specialty that I ended up in, but it was enough that I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll look more into this and turn then turned out that even though I was still finishing my bachelor's degree to try to like increase enrollment in the master's program, they were offering a separate-ish program where I could start the master's program while I was still finishing my bachelor's degree. And so by the time I finished my, for my first two bachelor's degrees, because I'm an overachiever. Oh, I, we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Also halfway done with my master's degree. 
so, so like, that's Hamilton level stuff. Like, how did you graduate? You know, in under two years. So you were doing two degrees at the same time, and then you just tossed a third on there to, to why not start my master's? Uh, yeah, two degrees, a minor, and then I tossed a master's on. So what uh, are the other two degrees in? So the bachelor's degrees were in Spanish and in interdisciplinary health services or sciences. I always forget what the S is. Um, <laughs> you have so many degrees you've forgotten what they are. That's one word I forgot. But like the idea is it's a, just a basic, like somewhat related to health degree that's kind of prepares you like for health management or is like okay. a reduction to like OTPT related uh, programs. So I just like did that as like my background while like for to like set me up for having better information in the master's program. So was it mostly to feed the masters, make that an easier go of it? Was there any sort of idea of maybe I want to work in this field instead? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is how almost uh no, it's more than it's less than 10 years. This is several years ago. I just know that it happened. <laughs> it's just so interesting. When I talk about things that happened, it's like, listen, I had two drinks too many. And yeah, I ordered everything on the Taco Bell menu, but I don't regret it. With you, you're like, I don't know what happened. I got three degrees. They're all for, you know, well-paying jobs and helping people, but whatever. <laughs> you can't just yada yada a degree, man. Like, that's ridiculous. That's what I did. So, I mean, you did. So what made you decide that one? You know, if you're going for three, why the, why the master's in that? Did that one class sell you on it that, that wholeheartedly? Um, I mean, it, like, it was enough to just, like, keep me looking. And, like, it held my interest uh, long enough to finish all the classes. <laughs> I get. I mean, that's pretty cool. I, I, I don't think it's fair to compare because I'm going to school for accounting. But every single class is a complete bore. Um, but math is math is finite and easy if you're willing to put the time in, and it pays a lot of money. So you can tell where my uh, my goals are there. <laughs> but it's still interesting that you were able to do that just from the, like, oh yeah, these classes are fun and interesting. I, I've never been one of those people. So what made you decide on your on your niche on your specialty of transportation? And all of that. I Well, I guess the final decision really was that it was what my aunt did. So I was kind of like oh. following footsteps. Um, and that's an interesting way to put it. I'm guessing you didn't mean to make a pun, but. Uh, <laughs> sure didn't. <laughs> Sorry. You, again, you can tell how my mind works and why I am not useful in a lot of those ways. Uh, but I can tell you when you make puns accidentally. Uh, so did you shadow her at all? No, I did not. Uh, she lives in Texas. So while she was uh, initially the inspiration for my beginning the program, uh, the, the distance didn't quite permit. I gotcha. Kind of shadowing or. Um, but she's still the person I call when I'm like, hey, you know, I just have this like kind of question or like. When I like, here's a job offer I got. Does this sound normal? Um, so I, I still, I still go to her for some questions and stuff. Right. So with, uh, with you, you know, 
taking the job, the VA, shadowing, you know, doing your internship. Why Chicago of all places? You mentioned that you it was never really a plan to move, but then you know, careers, there's not a lot of jobs in Michigan. It's just kind of the I, you know, that's just kind of the truth of it. If you don't work for General Motors or Ford or Walmart, you know, there's not a lot here. So what took you out of state uh, specifically to to Chicago? Well, so like I said, I did my internship at the VA that was out here, mm-hmm. which historically, like in the history of my profession, is one of the like big places that like I, f- I should maybe know a little more specifically, but they were, <laughs> of, they were one of the first like residential programs that took teaching these skills really seriously so they're really well known for the different like like this they've got this book of lesson plans where you don't like you set foot in there as an employee and you don't actually have to plan anything you just have to choose an appropriate lesson plan because they're all written out and like uh even for the travel where you have to like go out in the neighborhoods and stuff like they're like this is the neighborhood we use to do this because wow we've been in here long enough. We know that this intersection is good for this skill and this route is good to practice this skill. So they're like really well known for that. And just like kind of a historical landmark in the profession. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's everyone's like, it's kind of the most asked for internship placement and also the closest one to the school. Oh, right. That that makes sense, too. Well, so, like, other options are, like, Long Beach, California, <laughs> Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> like, so, for me, who didn't even want to, like, really leave Michigan when all my choices are basically out of Michigan, right. Chicago is the closest and therefore the most pleasant. That makes sense. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you teach people commuting, right? Like, it's got to be difficult to to go, you know what, I want to travel more. When you see, like, the difficulties people face, I'm sure you're not like, you know what, I want to just work on the West Coast, fuck it. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> that's what I want to do now. Would you say Chicago is a, a vision-impaired, commuter-friendly place? I mean, there's improvements that can be made. Right. Like, it's there's no great way to find bus stops. But if you can find a bus stop, the buses can take you just about anywhere. And the drivers are also generally very considerate um, with the clients that I'm working with. Like, I've even, like, I go on the bus sort of, like, quote-unquote, anonymously. So, like, I'm following my person, but I'm trying to, like, like, we have a discussion before they get on the bus. Like, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to interact with you because the bus driver needs to think that you're alone. And if right. they I'm with you, they're going to transfer the amount of care that they would give you to assuming I'm going to do that. So I like anonymously follow my clients onto the bus. And so I've seen like, there was one case, like I just needed her to get on the bus. And then like we rode up three blocks and got off just to like practice. And she's like, yeah, the, the client was like, yeah, and I'm going to this address to the bus driver. So when we got to the stop, the bus driver parked the bus and then like walked her across the street. Oh, wow. So, like, you you can get really, really good, really considerate bus drivers. Um, And just the fact that there's buses at all and, like, public transit or if the buses, sometimes the buses aren't as accessible. So there's the paratransit, which is uh, door-to-door, but really slow. Like, at least it exists. Right. Um, Like, more rural communities, like... 
uh, either of the places we grew up, and that just doesn't exist. No, I know there was a nearby city that had a pretty extensive dial ride system, but you know it was three to four hours delayed, and it, they they would just say no if it was only for one person. Like it was a uh, it was a very difficult thing, and that was state run. I know. Um, but it's still like the idea that that again that something like this exists still amazes me. And I know, like you're saying, like obviously there could be improvements everywhere. But I, I don't know how somebody any with any sort of impairment would would try to travel. I live in Grand Blank, Michigan, and it's not safe to walk if you can see, let alone if you can't. Uh, there's there's no sidewalks. There's very few crosswalks. There's highways in four different directions. Even in downtown areas, it crosses with highways. So yeah, it's just like a nightmare. Chicago at least is nice because it's it's laid out very regularly like the whole like thing where they burned it to the ground and started over. I know that wasn't on purpose, but it turned out to be a really good thing for city planning. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you can't got to go, okay, why did we put this road here? Yeah, so everything being so regular and like you can talk about like well, the address system, like if you are at your house and your address is 400 uh, North whatever street, and you need to find your friend at 800 North whatever street, then you know you need to walk four blocks. Like, it's literally that easy. Isn't that, it's a similar grid system, isn't that how New York is built? It's, it's on a grid, you can yeah. you can navigate that way. That's interesting it, to see something else like that. It, it exists in most cities, um, but depending on how good the city planning is, it can be less apparent because you get like three-way intersections or like Detroit's a freaking mess because it's got like the whole like wheel and spoke system. So you're not really sure what's what's going in what direction. Right. But like five and seven-way intersections, which is terrible. Again, um, I think I'm painting a picture more about myself than anything else about the city, but I get lost in Detroit every time I go. On foot, by bus, on in a car, Uber, you know, GPS. I still get lost every time I'm there. Yeah, there's, like, places that are, like, three blocks in a row that I can get around, but if I'm trying to get between those, like, small areas, I'm like, I don't know where anything is. Yeah, I used to I used to do sales, uh, selling roofs and stuff like that. And when I was in Detroit, it was always a problem. I was late to all my. You can tell I'm, I was a t- horrible salesman as well. But I was late to all of my all of my appointments to you know try to sell you something because I would get lost in Detroit constantly. The only constant was like the train station. I can find the train and bus station very easily. The very large buildings that only lead out of town, so <laughs> it was difficult to get lost near them. Can you find the the baseball field? No, because it moved. It's a different baseball field than what was there when I was a kid. <laughs> I can find Comerica Park, but only the parking lot. Like I couldn't like get into the field. I, I went to Warp Tour uh, one year, like the punk show, and that's where it goes. It goes to Comerica, and I I drove, which was a bad idea for everyone involved. And uh, we got lost after the show. You know, stone sober. I couldn't find the my my van for a good four and a half hours afterward. Got to know that area pretty well. That day, I can't remember it now, but uh, no, I can't find the baseball field very well. Listen, this isn't a, this is not a show about about my shortcomings, okay, Eleni? Let's move on. Um, before we go, um, can I just ask like a, a quick like public service announcement? What's the best way if you do need any of these services? What's the best way to look them up to get a hold of somebody to find these programs? Oh God, uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot. It's okay if you don't know. I can plug them in here. 
Well, no. So it's, I mean, it's kind of a mess. Okay. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I brought, brought it up then, I guess. Every state is a little different. Uh, but I think for the most part, like as long as you're a resident of a state at like the basic level, you can like contact your state, like a human services department or a rehabilitation department, employment services, something along those lines. And be like, look, like I'm visually impaired and I need to be able to get places. Um, in Illinois, at least, it has to be like specifically tied to um, employment. So you have to be like, I'm looking for a job. Okay. And imagine in a lot of other states, you probably run into that too. Um, they won't just be like, yeah, you want training? We'll give you training. No goals? That's fine. So, like, you, a good first place is probably going to be, like, your state. It probably comes with a ton of paperwork and uh, probably a wait list because all, all government things are, you know, hurry up and wait. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um that's good to know. I, I again, I just, I, I, part of it is the worry. Part of it is my mother, my grandmother. But also, I think it's just good if anyone's listening. Like, there are services again. Like my grandmother, she didn't know anything like this existed, and it very well might not have in the same aspect twenty years ago. But uh, any anything that can help, obviously, I like to get the word out there because again, I didn't even know this is what you did, and I didn't even know the job existed before we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so other- go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I see. Like other resources would be like there is um, the National Federation for the Blind. Generally, I think has a like state by state resource guide. So, or if you're a veteran, obviously the VA is an option. The like to the closest residential center to Michigan was the one uh, right outside Chicago. But they've also got like I think Battle Creek has a program that will do like one week stays. Oh. Or, okay. Uh, VA I think in Saginaw that has a program but they're more like you like drive in and do your like hour lesson for the day and then leave right like you, you don't stay there so things like that exist or there's uh, also there's the guide dog school in Rochester has a program that is sort of a lot of people kind of end up using it as like a test for am I ready for a guide dog so, like, they're working on cane skills. And then, like, at the end, you get to, like, look at dogs. But the dog program, then, is a separate thing. I gotcha. Um, and, yeah, those, those are just, like, I guess some of the basic places that you can start looking. Well, that's super helpful, though. Like, again, I didn't, I, I, when you said it was a mess, I was expecting there's only, like, there, there's, like, like four programs total, but really the mess comes down is seems like there's a lot. They're just all varied. Yeah. And like there's different requirements and different like amounts of paperwork you have to do. There's not a lot of like, if you start a program in Michigan and then you move, like you probably have to find a brand new program, like whatever you were doing before, like doesn't translate into another location, but I, it's, it's out there. Yeah, it, it, again, it, it, it brings me hope that there, there are programs like this, even if they are state-run. No offense to states, it's just, you know, I've been to the DMV. It's not always inspiring. 
Uh, Social Security <laughs> office again, not exactly making me excited. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the final thing I want to wrap up with is a thing that was my favorite thing about you. I mean, you're a good friend. You're a wonderful person. I enjoy your company. But really what it came down to is you used to work for the Renaissance Festival. And you used to hook me up with tickets every year. And for the last few years, I've had to pay full price for this, Eleni. And uh, I'm upset about this. Well, now if you want the discount tickets, you have to drive to Chicago. <laughs> Do you work at the, the Chicago one? Well, I mean, it's technically not in Chicago. It's actually in Wisconsin, but yes, I do. When do you have time for this? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> stop doing stuff, okay? You're making us all look bad. You're making all the plebs out here look just real bad because I also have several jobs. None of them pay well, and none of them are interesting. I tell people I have a podcast. They're like, everyone's got a podcast. I tell people I have a comic book. They're like, yeah, okay, the funny pages. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> So you so you you still work for the Renaissance Festival. Again, you're just blowing my mind here. I was unaware. Oh, what? You need to get on Facebook more. No, I don't tell me that. I I hate I hate Facebook. I hate Facebook. I hate social media. That's fair. Um, so it's like the it's the most toxic relationship I have. It's so bad. I've never seen anyone be nice. I hate everyone that's on there. Like I like my friends that I actually have. I talk to you like this, you know. I give you a call. You talk to Emily, my wife, and I go, "Oh, how's Eleni?" And she goes, "Good." And I go, "Great. I'm glad that she's still good." You know, we see each other at a party once a year. You're in town. We get wine. Like that's that's plenty for me. I don't need to see you post stuff. But yeah, no, so I, I still work at a Renaissance Festival. It's just a different one now. Is it, is it all... One thing I didn't understand is that there was kind of a network, if you will. Like a lot of the Renaissance Festivals that people would go to over here by Michigan, there was all the same one. It was the Renaissance Festival. I just figured there was a million of them, and they were all separately run. So, I mean, each... Well... Each festival is a lot of times its own festival, but then you've got a couple companies that run more than one festival. Okay. The one in Michigan also owns a festival in Florida and in Kansas and in another state, I think. Okay. I'm not as up to date on that. Or in the one that I work for in Chicago, Wisconsin, uh, also owns one in New York and in California. Oh, but they are different companies. So yeah, so it's two different companies that I have referenced, but between them, there's seven shows. Okay. So, um, so, but yeah, and I think each state has at least one show. I don't so know. So I, I got to go to Wisconsin if I want to get the tickets. I'm picking up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, like before, when I was getting comp tickets, okay, it was wonderful because it was just me and my wife. You know, I didn't feel like I was putting you out, but now you don't understand. Now I got the kids, and the kids want to go. And they want a turkey leg and they want a bread bowl and they want to go see the dragon. They want to go check out the joust and they want a costume and they want to get their face painted. By the time I leave, I got a second mortgage and, you know, none of it's tax deductible. Nope. And oh. the last couple of years, we've had to worry about like several outbreaks before the pandemic even. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like, even if I still work there, like, these days I couldn't even give you, like, access to, like, food for free anymore because they canceled the system they used to feed us with, which was, like, the tickets that I could just hand to anyone if I wasn't using them. I never got this? What the hell? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't even, like, it might have even disappeared before, like, you were going there. It could have been. 
it's been gone for a while. Uh, well, what's the benefit to working there? I mean, obviously, it's a lot of fun and it's good experience if you want to get involved with anything theatrical, obviously, from costuming to acts. But uh, if they're not giving you free food, what's it all about? <laughs> you know, hell if I know. I mean, that's why I go. I, I, I just hang out by all the food. <laughs> well, for me, so I started when I was 16. Actually, the first rehearsal I went to was it like the day before I turned 16. Oh, my God. So for me, it was like my first job, although they didn't pay me the first year. Um, <laughs> only, only, only the arts can get away with things like that, right? Like I've had a couple of like unpaid like writing gigs. And then I've had like some internships and stuff like any anywhere else. We're like, yeah, we're going to pay you not a lot, but something only the arts can be like, yeah, we're not going to pay you for the first few years. Just so you know, just FYI. Well, so the first year I didn't get paid. And then every year at Michigan after that, I did get paid. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like pennies for the amount of time I was putting in, but I got paid. Right. It was um, something. It was more than yeah. nothing. And you got free food. And I got free food. I mean, I, I would still get free food. It's just a lot worse now. <laughs> <laughs> they have a tent set up in the background where they pay. It used to be, it used to be my high school computer teacher. I think was the guy cooking these like shitty dry burgers, <laughs> and you get like a pack of ketchup and a pack of mustard, and maybe there's pickles, and maybe there's chips and an apple, and that's that's what they give you now. <laughs> Ouch. And I, I imagine that partly that's margins. Like, I can't imagine that the Renaissance Festival is an extremely lucrative business because most of that's independent vendors that come in. There's a company that runs it, but, you know, you're employing a crap ton of people. It's not super expensive to get in. I'm not convinced that they couldn't do better for their employees. Oh, I 100% agree with that. I, I can 100% I can agree. But when I think... You know, owning my own company and working for corporations, I can see that's not playing devil's devil's advocate at all. I just understand where it's like they're not making billions, so let's not help people at all. <laughs> right, but like, so they have this whole setup, and what they used to do though was give us tickets, and we could just like they gave us twelve dollars a day to spend at the food booths. Oh, which oh wow! I mean, it was enough to feed you. What's uh, it? What can you get for twelve dollars? A pickle? Pickles are two dollars. They used to be oh, fifty. Uh, oh man! So you can get six or seven pickles, like wow! But I mean, a turkey leg is ten bucks. Um, I mean, you didn't want you didn't want to eat the turkey leg anyway. Uh, but like, wait, wait, hold on! She can't I, just um, yada yada that. That's what? Why shouldn't I eat the turkey leg? Just it's just not great. I don't know. Amazing. Oh God! You're just you're kicking me right where it counts. I have another podcast called Right in the Fields, and you're hitting it right there. Like that is what—that's the whole reason why I go to the Renaissance Festival. So, well, I mean, I've worked at festivals for like twelve years, and I think I've only ever had like half a bite of a turkey leg, and that's because someone else bought it. Yeah, but you've always been a weird person about food. I remember the meals you used to make, and I'm like, what is this? You're like, I don't know, but I Googled the recipe. I don't speak the language, but it looked okay. I don't think I was that weird. <laughs> I think you are underestimating. <laughs> <laughs> and it was never in Spanish, which you were studying, and you speak... <laughs> it was never Spanish. It was like, this is a Hungarian dish I found. Uh, you're not supposed to make it, but I'm going to try I mean, there's like a Russian meatball dish that I probably made. <laughs> that does sound familiar. Uh, so, so twelve dollars. You thought that was enough to eat on for a whole day? It was, yeah. 
Because, like, a soup and a bread bowl is, like, enough for a meal. You really only need one meal. Because, like, afterwards, you, like... No, you're just an insane person. One meal for a day? Yeah. Oh, um, get out of here. Or, like... Um, <clears throat> or they, they did serve breakfast on site, which I think was... $3 to get a plate of breakfast. Um, I mean, it was, it was like, Cisco breakfast. Right. Um, but... So like you, yeah. So you get breakfast for three dollars. You can get lunch for five to seven, and then you got a couple dollars left over by the end of the season. You've got like a wad of cash. Um, there, there was when that system was still there. There were actually several days where, or several end of seasons where I'd be like, "Hey, I see you're in line for coffee. Here's like you know the price of a coffee in uh, coupons." I mean that's pretty cool, and I imagine also it's a little bit different being sixteen. You know, you're not feeding your family off of it. Um, like it, it can be a rewarding experience. There, you know, there's free food. So when they made it worse, was it enough to make you reconsider working there? Um, no. Most the reason I don't work there anymore is mostly because I moved. Right. Um, although I I do have a lot of disagreements with the way it's managed. Um. If you know anyone that can like hook me up with like ten to twenty million dollars, so I can try to buy the guy out and run it well, let me know. <laughs> I mean, I do have private backing. I don't have that kind of private backing, but I can get you in touch. See, like when I talk to my wealthy friends now, I am someone who they're like, "You'll be useful to me in like a year after I finish out my accounting degree." For now, you're just a dude who asks for money. But you, <laughs> you have you have a list of degrees you're a better person and you you service the community in ways that i do not so i imagine i probably could get you financial backing i don't know if they can buy you a renaissance festival but uh you just it will hit me up offline and uh, <laughs> i got some business ventures for you because you're you're what people call a smart bet and i am what people call oh god he's calling again yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, so what did you start out there? Uh, we're going a little bit long, but now I just, I want to know. I'm, I'm really curious. Like how did, how did you, how did you start at the Renaissance Festival? Um, well, so like I said, I was looking for my first job, uh, which was turned out to not really be a job. Right. Um, but I was, I was cast as a peasant dancer. So like, I think like seven times a day, like me and my little like cast group had to go do the Maypole. And we were playing as, like, a bunch of, like, young orphan children whose only responsibility to the town we lived in was to dance and be happy. Uh, like and we had our, our benefactor was a duke who fed us cookies. And the local seamstress was trying to uh, co-opt us for free labor in her, uh, <laughs> her sewing room, a.k.a. Uh, a sweatshop. I was not aware of the other storyline. <laughs> I've seen I've seen some of uh, uh, some of the peasant dancers. The, the dancers, I think they call them like flower girls, or is that something different? Yeah, yeah, that's the same thing. Okay, yeah, I, I've seen lots of those shows over the years, and I did not know that there was this other dark, sinister plot. <laughs> well, this the seamstress uh, does not exist as such at this point in time. Okay. Uh, and I, I don't know how long that storyline held out. It, it was a couple of years. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was my first year on cast. Uh, 
and I mean, since then I've been uh, a barber surgeon. I was an elf. Uh, I was a thief, and I was a. I got to be a rich bad guy one year. Ooh. That was actually kind of weird because I wasn't allowed to do anything because I was dressed too fancy. Like, <laughs> like you have to give a certain appearance, and I was like, "But I want to roll in the dirt. Why? Why can't I roll in the dirt?" <laughs> that that was probably the highlight for me for a few years is watching you get into combat scenes, and which would and they would start with you just talking shit to somebody. There'd be a short combat, and then you just go back to talking shit for like another 10, 15 minutes. So I'm like, yeah, this, I can get behind this. I can get into just watching you yell at people with an accent for you know like <laughs> 15, 20 minutes. I, I was there for that. Yeah. Um. But I guess I guess uh to try to like cover for all of the like kind of negative stuff I've said so far is like it was a really good place. Like that was like I had my like high school friends and like kind of a growing community there. And like, obviously I'm still in touch with people. Um, (laughs) Through Facebook. Through Facebook. (laughs) Uh, But joining the festival was really like my first like steps, like into a community that was like my own that like, like I kind of, like I got to choose that. Um, And it's, I mean, it really is a community, like, uh, the cast still, like, we still hang out with each other, even though some of us haven't worked there for several years, or some of us are, um, off cast and have been for several years working booths, like, like, you really make a lot of good and interesting friends, um, and we've had a lot of, like, also good, like, off-season times, just like, oh, we're in a, you know, we're sure in our 20s and some of us are in our 30s now like let's go play laser tag and do bumper cars like (laughs) um you found your people there essentially yeah and that's that's the thing i really like about it and like more than the money or the uh management is like (laughs) why i'm still associated with it have you found the same experience switching companies um (laughs) I mean, that's a whole can to dive into. Okay, all right. <laughs> we can always do another episode. That's that's something that can be, that, that is totally down. If you enjoyed this experience well enough. But I, I always just, the reason why I always like bringing up the Renaissance Festival is partly that's where I got to know you better. But also, I've just, I've never heard people enjoying their job more. Even with all the negatives, everybody that I talk to is just like, yeah, it's like having a gigantic theater troupe, basically. I mean, it is. And there's, like... There's, like, after hours uh, at Michigan, we used to, there was one friend who would bring a hookah, and we would just sit in the parking lot until, so, like, the festival closed at, like, 7 or something, and we'd be dismissed by maybe 7.30. So then we'd go sit in the parking lot, like, in a circle on blankets around this hookah in various, like, states of, like, in and out of our costumes. Right. Some, like, one guy brought a bathrobe pretty regularly and would just, like, hang out in his bathrobe. I mean, that is, that's the thing that people always reference about like cons, but also Renaissance Festival is like the after dark element. And I've tried to explain to people, I'm like, it's not as far fetched as you think. It's not a crazy orgy the second we all leave and get in our cars. Like people aren't just going to the jousting pit and doing it. But it's also like, you know, you're there all day, like it turns into a party eventually, right? Yeah. So we would just like hang out and like 
periodically like there's a couple people who are like through the years like oh i'm a massage therapist i'll just bring my table so then (laughs) massages going on in the parking lot and just like hang out have a drink or two and some nights uh if we weren't shut down by security uh (laughs) there was um some people would have like uh equipment for fire breathing play with things like that so we just you know screw around hang out it was I mean, it was a great time. I always enjoyed those days. Uh, you always like you, now we're starting to uh, show our age a little bit. Like all oh, those days, man, back oh, in the yeah. day. Yeah. It's just it's also weird that now I've known you for like going on eight years. I'm like, oh man, I the fact that I like because I met you in the second half of my life is always like you know I met you when I met my wife. I'm like, oh man, like I'm starting to get old. Like <laughs> 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 we're starting to reach that point where like you have like it's not like a job. Like you know, for a long time we had jobs that we had. Like no, we have careers now, and it's very strange to me that I can yeah. talk to you on an hour podcast about two careers that you had essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, I'm going to let you go, and I appreciate you so much for coming on. If you'd like to do it again, I'd love to have you. You obviously have more stories to tell. Uh, sure. Thank you so much. I'm going to plug a few things, and I'll, I'll do that off air. Um, but I'm saying this out loud to remind myself when I'm editing this podcast to put in the plugs. Okay. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll probably call it there. Um, I, I actually don't have time today, but do you think I'd be able to schedule Lance in the future? I'll, I'll hit him up. I actually have him on Facebook, I think. You probably do. He actually I think changed, so. He actually changed his name to Lance now, so you can remember. It's not Jay anymore? No, no it's not. God. For, for a while there, I, I kept looking. I'm like, who the fuck is Jay? Like, why? And, like, I like all of his political commentary. Like, one of the few people I actually laugh and, like, follow for that stuff on, <laughs> on like, Facebook. Because, like, everybody else, just, it's just depressing, so I turn them off. But, I, but I'm like, I don't know who this person is. And I finally found a post of you and him. I'm like, oh, his name is not yeah. Jay. What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, liar my family still calls him jay it's been five years or so oh my goodness okay well that makes me feel better though that, it, that you were like no it's actually it is a thing i thought maybe it's just like i wasn't aware like I've, I've only now talked to lance five times in my life but i was like i was pretty sure that was his name <laughs> yes it is lance <laughs> okay well i will hit him up on facebook i'll let you go thanks so much again for coming on all right, yeah. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. No, I'm never going back to school. <laughs> do you want me to relay anything to Emily? And is there anything else that you want to plug? Do you? I mean, I, I deal with people that are content creators, and sometimes they like to, you know, put in their projects or anything. Is there anything that you want me to mention? Do you want me to mention your store at all? Uh, I don't have a store. Um, I you you have your own clothing line, okay? Like some, you got to be not, selling it somewhere. Not. Really, I have a Instagram where I post my sewing stuff because I kind of sell that, but it's not a it's not a big deal. <laughs> well, next time, if you have time to do this again, which I really want to, because I know again, there's so many more questions I have for you. I have like four pages in my notebook here, uh, oh. and we're on page one still. Um, so if we could do it again, I would love to talk about some of your creations, and if you're comfortable with sharing it, I could probably drum up some sales. <laughs> I'm sure. (laughs) Ah, God, stop being so humble. I need some level of narcissism, okay? I'm not the person for that. Well, God damn it. All right, well, then I'm going to go plug all my stuff, and I will talk to you later, okay? Okay. All right, thanks, Uh, man. Don't remind Emily we're fighting. Okay, I will. I'm going to send her some rotten tomatoes. 
Perfect, perfect. But uh, like, you mean like emojis, right? Like, please don't send rotten fruit to my home. Um. Well, too bad you you've made us fight. Uh, what did I, I? All right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. Uh. Okay. Let's see. You can go ahead and bounce whenever you want. I gotta do those plugs. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Get the hell out of here is what I'm trying to say. For me to leave. Feeling uh, conscious. Uh, no, never. Again, the narcissism. That's all me. Alright, I'll, I'll <laughs> head out. Alright, I'll talk to you later. Alright, bye. Bye. Okay, let's do this. So, what time is that? Uh, 7.03. Okay, so. Alright, that was Elaney. Thank you everybody for listening. If you want to check out any of our other podcasts, we have several on the docket. You can check out Aiming for Mediocrity. That's a show where we aim for subpar and still somehow don't reach it. That's a comedy podcast that airs every Friday on Can't Be Killed Creations. We also have our new podcast coming up called I Show My Wife Stuff, where I show my wife stuff. I talk about all the things that I've tried to show her over the years, pop culture related, that she's either ignored or taking up uh, after somebody else has requested she check it out we also go through some family therapy so if you want to hear me argue with my wife and talk about buffy for an hour and a half you can check out i show my wife stuff if you want to check out our pop culture related podcasts right in the feels you can listen to that me and my co-host chelsea talk about all things nostalgia related from the 90s occasionally we hit the aughts too but if you want to hear about things like boy meets world and the minutiae of the different episodes that aired as well as boy bands and our favorites and least favorites you can check out right in the feels Finally, we have Can't Be Killed Confessions. It took me a second. Can't Be Killed Creations, Can't Be Killed Confessions. It all gets so mixed up. Can't Be Killed Confessions is my solo podcast where I tell you my most embarrassing stories, like the time I was arrested for ghost busting or the time I pooped myself trying to watch Spider-Man. So if you want to hear some really self-effacing, <laughs> self-defacing uh, podcasts from me, you can check out can't be killed confessions uh if you're more of a reader you can check out our web comics over on can't be killed creations.com we have D and do this a web comic about all the shenanigans a group of DD players get into and we have more coming so thank you so much for listening and uh this has been persons of no consequence and we're out <laughs>